2018 premium diesel. Joe Montana, Buster Douglas, John Elway, John Elway. Daisy, right, Soy, Blitz right, Travolta right, pumpkin left, alert, Charlotte left, on one. Bunch right, Zach, we'll go 15 tip scissors, cannon to 300 jet F stick. Victory is a great play call. Welcome back to another episode of the Play Callers Club. We're fired up to have you back. Today, we're going to be transitioning from past couple episodes. We were talking about Texas Power 5 and G5 offenses. And now we're going to take a look at some of the big boys in the NFL. Some of our most intriguing offenses heading into 2023. Definitely some of the teams we're going to be keeping an eye on. Some are going to be kind of the fan favorites, right? The Chiefs and the Niners. But then we're going we're gonna to throw in some other offenses that we're going to be keeping an eye on, teams like the Broncos, um, the Bengals, obviously, the Lions. Um, so I think it'll be, a, it'll be an interesting episode for everyone. And I'm going to kick us off by giving you kind of an overview of what I expect to see from the Kansas City Chiefs in 2023. There's a little bit of transition in Kansas City. Uh, the previous year, Mike Kafka went from Kansas City, took over with the New York Giants, I think he was pretty integral in what they were doing offensively. I know he wasn't necessarily um, coordinator in name, but it was definitely pretty involved in what they were doing offensively, particularly in the past game. And when he went to the Giants, obviously that leaves more responsibility on Eric Bieniemy, And obviously Andy Reid is always going to have a hand in what the Chiefs are doing offensively, without a doubt, obviously. Um, and then the addition of Matt Nagy from the Bears – was interesting. A former coordinator coming back into the fold. So now you've got Nagy, Bienemy, and Reed kind of all putting the brain trust together. Um, and obviously the season exceeded expectations. I mean, winning a Super Bowl without Tyreek Hill, I think people were pretty impressed with what they were able to do offensively. And I think the genius of Andy Reed is that he continues to come back with more and more answers more and more creativity creativity year in and year out, it really is unbelievable. I mean, you can't really put your finger on him and say, this is who he is, this is what he does, other than the fact that he's got a world-class quarterback and he's going to throw the football. He continues to mix it up, continues to get high production out of receivers that, I don't know, I mean, you wouldn't necessarily put him in the top tier of receivers in the NFL, but they've got, they got great production out of Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, um, Watson, the receiver, uh, I think it's Justin Watson, uh, may have, might have the first name wrong there, but just a lot of production out of guys that, again, you're not necessarily are thinking top-tier guys, and then you bring in a guy like Kadarius Tony. So anyway, not to get too in on the roster, but I think what you noticed is the Chiefs maybe weren't as explosive with those one-shot plays last year, but you saw the ball coming out on time a lot more. You saw more precision in the intermediate passing game. You saw, because of the way defenses played them, pretty high efficiency in the run game. And I think, you know, when I when I look at the Chiefs, what I see is everything is really built around a relationship between Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Because truly, if you play the Chiefs, you're either going to bracket and double Kelsey and not let him go off, and let everybody else eat you up or you're going to let him have a huge game. And I think that's, that's basically like your two options right now. Cause when you watch the chiefs play, 
a lot of people think it's just Patrick Mahomes running out, running around back there playing Superman. That's not really what's happening. Really what's happening is the middle of the field is Travis Kelsey's domain. He is winning leverage. He plays with a high degree of intuition that and has a, a freedom that maybe 0% of other NFL players have to the point where if he gets inside leverage, he's going out. If he gets outside leverage, he's going in. Almost everything's a choice route. And Patrick Mahomes has phenomenal vision. So you can decide you're going to bracket and take away Kelsey and do some different things coverage-wise, and then other guys are going to beat you because this is the NFL. They are not what you think of as like a really uh, diverse run game. But it's it's more diverse than you'd expect. Like they they do scheme people up with the run game pretty well. I think you know what's interesting to me is Andy Reid's ability to highlight certain playmakers that, again, maybe not the best players in the league, but a guy like Isaiah Pacheco is explosive. He's able to use him in explosive ways in the offense. Um, when they pick their spots with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, he's explosive in the offense. And then honestly when they're maybe most effective period is when Jarek McKinnon is in the game. Number one running back. He is one of the best pass protecting running backs I've ever seen. So they're able to be in six man protection, give Mahomes time with a running back who's super physical and tough and willing to stick his nose in there. And then I think, again, I feel like I'm just all over the place here, but like, and then you throw in Andy Reid's screen game on top of all of this. So, again, you think of the Chiefs, you think of Patrick Mahomes, Superman, chucking the ball deep to Tyreek Hill. But really, the whole offense, I think, hinges on the relationship between quarterback and tight end. Really taking advantage of matchups in other areas of the offense from the receiver perspective. They are so deep at receiver with non-elite but very talented players. Like, this next group of receivers is really talented. I think Justin Ross could have a huge year. He was the guy at, coming out of Clemson. I could see him having a huge year. I, th- I could see Kadarius Tony doing well. I wouldn't be surprised if you see a guy like John Ross, who's kind of been in you know exile in the NFL, but I think he might have run the fastest 40 in NFL yeah, Combine history. I mean, he's an absolute like that, right? track star. Yeah. And has maybe never really been used properly in an NFL offense. And I wonder if Andy Reid and Matt Nagy find a way to get him involved. But Patrick Mahomes, his vision is really what sets him apart. Obviously, his arm strength. But a lot of guys have strong arms. Uh, what He's not chucking the ball 70 yards every play. He has been a lot more patient, taking completions, checking down to the backs, finding Kelsey on a second or third move when he has options in the middle of the field. So when I look at the Chiefs offense, I really do think it's it, they do such a phenomenal job of creating space for Travis Kelsey and letting defenses decide how they're going to handle that and then working everything else off of that, including the run game. And there was a couple games I watched where if you're just going to give them the box and give them run game, Andy Reid is patient enough and mature enough to run the football. Like he will run the football. And they'll move the football really, really well. And here, I, I, I was—I was kind of mentioning this before the show, but it's really hard for me to talk about the Chiefs without also talking about the Niners because I also studied the Niners a little bit in preparation for this week. 
and I mean, arguably two of the more kind of genius offensive minds in the game between Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid. And when I see those offenses, I see on one hand, Shanahan is creative control. And on the other hand is Andy Reid creative freedom where you're seeing highly structured, I think in a lot of ways, what the the Niners are doing. And then again, it's by no means backyard football, but very creative and very, a lot of freedom for those guys in Kansas city. And, and I, I think a lot of guys would, would agree with that in terms of the players, the players feel a lot of freedom in what Andy Reid's doing offensively. But as soon as Patrick Mahomes comes out of the game, like in that Jacksonville game in the playoffs and uh, who was the backup quarterback? Was it chase Daniel? Um, who was the the backup that came in for a drive? They took him on like a 98 yard drive. It's uh Chad Henney, right? Chad Henney, Henney right? Might, yeah. Yeah, Chad Henney. Been Henney. Yeah. It, it's, it's almost like plug and play almost. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Backup quarterback goes in and Andy Reed calls this like, well, I guess Andy Reed, the enemy and, and kind of the whole crew calls this perfect drive, 98 yards. And it went from kind of this freedom to, you could just see like the creativity, but controlled because of the backup quarterback being in the game. And I think because Kyle Shanahan hasn't had the elite traits at quarterback, he's had to stay in control, which can be a little bit more stressful for a play caller when you don't feel like you can just hand, hand things off as much to the quarterback. So anyway, there's a lot to talk about. The chiefs are going to be super fun to watch again. I think how's that offensive line going to look big question mark, obviously losing Orlando Brown, um, the tackle to the Bengals, is that going to be an issue for them? Um, but never bet against Pat Mahomes, man. Never no, bet against never. Pat Mahomes. So I, I love what they're doing offensively. I think it's it's not just hero ball, man. It is just creativity, a lot of freedom within the offense. I would imagine if you're playing in Andy Reid's offense, you're having a blast doing it. Yeah, and I think I think what's cool is to see from – Super Bowl one to Super Bowl two, like you said, I mean, they had Tyreek Hill in the last offense. So seeing how much you had to change between the two and then also seeing like, you know, I think the new offense is a little bit more sustainable moving forward. Yeah, right. I, would like, agree. I, I think that was kind of, it seemed as though, I mean, figured out is kind of a strong word, but it seemed like they were kind of getting figured out a little bit for a while there. Like they also had to figure themselves out, I think, with you know, sure. the new personnel. But it seems like, you know, there this offense can kind of, you know, they can make their tweaks from year to year as opposed to like, I mean, can we really sustain, you know, just chunking it deep <laughs> all the time, which I know it was more than that. But yeah, for sure. I do think this new offense is a little bit more sustainable moving forward for them. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh it was fun. It was I watched uh the AFC championship game from uh twenty 2021, the like from when the Bengals beat the Chiefs and one last year when Chiefs beat the Bengals. And it's kind of like the Chiefs were two different teams. Obviously, in that first year, they had uh, the first year versus the Bengals, they had Tyreek Hill, right? And um, what was interesting about that game was the Chiefs were up by 18 points. The Bengals came back and won that game. Um, yep. What was great about that game from the Bengals' point of view was they kept running the ball. They stuck, they stuck to running the ball and ended up mm -hmm. winning the ball, winning the game and running the ball. The Chiefs kind of got like, 
got kind of like discombobulated in the second half um, because they weren't able to run the ball. You know, um, Clyde edwards Elaire, I think he was out most of that game, so they were able to run the ball. Then you saw them watching last year's game, what well, was past season's game, AFC Championship game. You saw the more of that balance with um, Isaiah Pacheco. Proud, proud of, pride of Island, New Jersey. I'm from my hometown, so <laughs> right against love. But, <laughs> but, but you you saw <laughs> how they were able to be more balanced team and more disciplined this year, and they were and they weren't able to kind of get kind of figure it out in some aspects, right? Because in that first game, you know, Tyreek went off in the first half. Uh, Travis Kelsey went off in the first half. Now in, in this game, we watched this past you know this past year, Babes Championship game. They're a little more um, methodical with their play calling and a little more balanced with their play calling, which led them to the Super Bowl. No, I, I completely agree. I think the ability to run the football consistently, I wouldn't say at will, but I would definitely say much more consistently was a huge step forward for them. And I, I mean, Andy Reid is, is always going to lean toward throwing the football. I mean, if you know me, you know I really nerd out on Lavelle Edwards, BYU. Obviously, Andy Reid played for Lavelle Edwards at BYU. And if you look at the history of the air raid, it all kind of starts with Lavelle Edwards, BYU. That, sh- that run of quarterbacks he had, um, you know, Steve Young, Jim McMahon, was Jim McMahon, um, the Detmers. You know, I could, I could talk all day about Lavelle Edwards. But Andy Reid's been doing this before it was even cool to do it. I mean, when he was in Philadelphia, they were throwing the ball a lot more than most teams in the league, and he was criticized a lot for how much he threw the football. And the league has kind of arced toward Coach Reed's philosophy anyway of really, you know, to to win consistently in this league, I think you do have to throw the football. I mean, all the rules, the structure of the game is is moving toward having to do that. But I think you also realize that when when it comes down to it, especially in the playoffs, being able to close out a game and run the football in the second half in particular is a really important thing. And so I think it was interesting to see the Chiefs, even with all the talent they had at the receiver core, getting in 12 and 13 personnel sets with two and three tight ends in the game. And obviously, it's there's always going to be the Andy Reid flair on it with shifts and motions and play action and passing concepts out of it, but also just good old fashioned running the football. Um, so running power, running counter, running zone. Again, they're just, they, they have the diversity in, in the run game that may have been missing. And I can even speak to that a little bit as a, as a play caller, when you're used to ripping off chunk plays, it can get a little monotonous to run the football. Because you want to stress the defense. You want to be explosive. When you have Tyreek Hill and some of these guys, it's like, man, why are we why are we getting two and three yards uh, running inside zone or whatever? Like, let's just let Pat, Patrick Mahomes go to work. But I think you could see some of the rhythm in the offense felt a little more a little more sustainable. I think sustainable is a great way to put it. And again, it's hard for me to talk about the Chiefs without talking about the Niners a little bit. It's and this is something I'm going to come back to when I hit on the Niners, but the Chiefs really use shifts and motions to create uh, leverage and identification in the pass game. The Niners are going to use pre-snap motion to create leverage and numbers in the run game. So it's just really interesting from a philosophical perspective, the use of pre-snap movement in the Chiefs offense versus the use of pre-snap motion in the Niners offense. You're seeing a lot of it 
in both offenses. But a lot of times when you are watching, when you watch the Chiefs play, like pay attention to it next time, motions are a lot slower because they're getting a coverage identification. Mm-hmm. They're maybe moving Kelsey and, you know, moving people around. When the Niners are playing, those motions are happening a lot faster. You may yeah. have Kittle flying in motion. You may have, you know, Debo Samuel in motion. You may have Kyle Juszczyk flying in motion to lead out on, you know, a toss or something like that. It's just really interesting to see the use of motion and how it fits in with your philosophy. So I know I'll come back to that with the Niners, but it's just really interesting when you watch these NFL offenses. Yeah, a lot of people are doing similar stuff, but everything is setting up kind of the overall overarching philosophy. And Andy Reid wants to throw the football and wants to create leverage advantages for guys in the pass game, and he does it better than anybody else. I don't I don't want to spend an hour talking about the Chiefs, but I do have one kind of, I guess, side note that I never really thought of. I mean, you think of it, but never really thought of until you kind of explained, you know, the Mahomes-Kelsey working around that connection and then building everything off of that. I, I wonder if, and I, I mean, I know the answer to this, but I feel like Kelsey's background playing quarterback really... Yes makes and it's I feel like that's not something that's talked about a lot at least I mean the amount of coverage I watch you you always hear like he was a quarterback but you don't think about the way he sees the field so much differently than most guys that play receiver play tight end how he can kind of feel you know because there's so much like you said bracket coverage that he's getting but yet he's still getting open with two guys guarding him and so I think he just sees the game in such a different way I think you know, quarterbacks are compared to point guards in basketball a lot. And I think he also has a basketball background. Yep. Um, but I just think him and Mahomes kind of both see the game the same way. And I think that's truly what makes them so hard to stop is they're just able to feel the game. And I think that going back to that quarterback background is what really, I mean, obviously the dude's a physical freak, but I think, you know, I think it's overlooked how smart he truly is. Oh, without a doubt. And how intuitive he is how well he sees the field. Mm-hmm. I think basketball is a perfect analogy because you can be the freakiest athlete on the floor, but what really sets someone like Jokic or Luka Doncic apart is kind of the way they see the floor. Mm-hmm. In addition, you know, they're decent athletes, I, you know, obviously world-class in a sense, but, you know, at Kelsey, there are more, if you want to like put combine numbers out or something like that, there are more athletic tight ends than him. But he never plays – he's never rushed when he's playing. No. He's incredibly patient. And it's almost painful sometimes to watch him release out on a route because you're like, this is taking forever. Like, come on. But but I think that the change in tempo is part of the reason he gets open. Everybody else is just getting off the football and running as fast as they can every step. And he has such an intuition and a feel for space, for leverage, and everything else fits off of that. And it takes a lot of trust from a coach to to let someone be like that in an offense. And he, I think Andy Reid has really allowed him to be that and hasn't forced him to put his hand in the ground and be an end line tight end and kind of setting the point on wide zone or anything like that. He just lets him, he pl- lets him play to his skill set. And that's part of the reason he's so successful. If you ask Travis Kelsey to do what George Kittle does in the Niners offense, ooh, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think that's a good fit. And and I think he would admit to that. I, I don't think that's his game. Um, Kittle's obviously 
um, you want to talk about a dog in, in the blocking <laughs> run blocking game. But anyway, I could really, we could talk all day about the chiefs, but Rashad, I want to, I want to touch on the lions because I love this offense and not enough people know about it. Yeah. Detroit, uh, they're going to be special this year. Uh, they, uh, you know, last year was their third. This is their third year coming up with, uh, you know, Dan Campbell as their head coach, you know, biting kneecaps in that first press conference. Definitely won that first <laughs> press conference. Um, fighting you know, Texas Aggie, Dan Campbell. There it is. Big, big fighting Texan Aggie. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a Texan through and through. So uh, last year they started one and six and they finished the year eight and two down the stretch, barely missing the playoffs. Um the play caller is Ben Johnson. He's going into his second year calling plays for the Lions. If you are a football fan, first of all, actually, hold on, timeout. This phone, this <laughs> conversation is mainly for offensive line coaches. If you're an O line coach, if you're a fan of the run game, if you're a running backs coach, like tune in, stop whatever you're you doing, to. tune you in, to. listen to the next like few minutes. Of what I'm about to say, <laughs> uh, just a quick little glance, little preview. The Lions have a top five offense last year without a true number one wide receiver with an average quarterback, with a really a decent running back, they're able to have a yeah. top-five offense by having one of the best offensive lines in the, in the, in the nation, in the, yes. in the league. So if I know I know sometimes high school coaches or college high school coaches look at NFL games and feel like it's parts of the games they can't really relate. But I'm going to kind of give a few points, and there's parts of his game as Ben Johnson as a play caller that you can relate to, that you can kind of install into your offense this summer and this fall if you would like to. So offensive scheme for the for the Lions, uh, they're mo- they're mainly they're mainly more they're more of a run focused team. Once again, their playmakers aren't the receivers or running backs or quarterback. Their playmakers are their linemen. They had one Pro Bowler. Yes, they had like alternate Pro Bowlers, but uh, their one Pro Bowler was their center, Frank Greg Ragnow. So mm-hmm. um, they're mainly a gap scheme offense. You're going to see a lot of counter. You're going to see duo. Um, they actually led the league in a trap and wham concepts. Love uh, it. They actually they, aver- they averaged about nine point nine yards a carry on that. Um, they are, you know, built for gap scheme, but, but coach Johnson will sprinkle in inside zone and, and, uh, stretch just to mess with the defense. Um, one of my favorite things that he does offensively is that he'll run trap out of, out of I formation and he just has his fullback kind of like <laughs> go backside, go front side, fullback just kind of does whatever, just to mess with the <laughs> linebackers keys. So, so you actually see the linebackers on film kind of like slow down on a run fit and they're like, wait, it's trap. And they kind of like redirect. So um, he kind of does stuff just to mess. He kind of just messes around when it comes to some of his uh, 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 shifts and motions and some of his play calls. Um, offensively as well, you will see uh, you'll see them purposely run wide zone, and before that wide zone play, you'll see them send a receiver in motion, and um, they'll pretty much run that play again, but running out, running, running, uh, running a counter out of it, and they want to give that defense just the same look every mm-hmm. single play. And they'll do it every single drive. Same look, same look. Kind of condition the defense to like, kind of like lull them to sleep a little bit with certain looks, certain formations. Um, I know the big play that people always mention uh, last season with the Lions was this, the play where Penny Sewell was able to catch that like I want to say like ten yard, yeah. <laughs> a ten yard catch ice the game versus the Vikings in Week 14. But legit, the play before that, they're still in that same. They were in condensed, condensed spacing two by two. Um, they had their wide receiver Josh Reynolds go into go into motion, and um, it was like a run play, right? Then the next, their very next play, they put Penny Sewell as the Sewell as the as the outside receiver, and he went into motion, and he threw a quick little arrow route to him. So he's just out there having fun. Um, 
And what they do really well is they married a run game to pass game of play action. Yep. You're going to see just the common NFL like play action concepts such as Yankee or Flood or and what they do really well is like deep choice. Not like 10, 15 yard deep show, not 10, not 10, 15 yard vertical choice, but they'll have like Amon Ronsey Brown on like 25 yard deep choice. Um, or Marvin Jones do the same. So they go, they stretch the field as deep as they can. Um, essentially when it comes to play action, they really want to protect Jared Goff. Uh, Ben Johnson does a great job protecting him. He knows that he knows that Jared is Jared gets a little skittish in the pocket. As soon as there's like any pressure, he's like, I'm out. He's gone. Right. But he does a really good job of just command, having command of this offense. And he does a good job of like when they pass the ball play action, he knows to look deep immediately. And that's like he's usually his first read and the second read is yep. usually like a shallow route. And he does it pretty well. So what I love, my, my favorite aspect of their off, second favorite aspect of their offense is that Ben Johnson protects protects um, Jared by helping him out with the play action, right? Which helps, which stretches the defense, makes it run, takes the run play, right? But part two, he does a lot of like screens, like tunnel screens and slip mm-hmm. screens. Doesn't matter play action as well, just to protect, just to protect uh, Jared. And it showed, right? And Jared, Jared had like thirty plus touchdowns this year, four thousand plus yards. He had a really good, really good season. Um, he actually had a very high play, uh, play action passing percentage of 84% this year. So um, I think Dan, I think he will like this. We can talk about this after I'm wrapping up my um, review of them, but they love empty. They run empty. Oh, yeah. But Big what they time. do out of empty, which makes it pretty cool, they'll do empty out of 21 personnel, out of 12 mm-hmm. personnel. And the whole goal of that is getting matchups. So there'll be plenty of times in which they do empty, which is two wide receivers. And uh, they'll have Amon Ron St. Brown line up like on a – he'll line up in slot. And they're actually in the Vikings games a couple of times. They'll have Amon Ron St. Brown line up in slot. He'll go against like the Jack linebacker. And he'll just throw him for like a 20-yard catch. Oh, for so sure. Yeah. They do a great job of playing the matchup game. Um, what I hope to see, you know, this year with them uh, coming into the fall is continue to stress these defenses with their window dressing and the shifts and emotions and uh, – the fun stuff they do. Hopefully, see more of a penny. Penny Sewell gets more ca- more catches this year. <laughs> gotta um, feed the big I, boys. I think the biggest. I think people gotta give him a hard time with drafting Jamar Gibbs, but Jamar Gibbs was a look. Reading, learning about their offense and like seeing how they do things, it makes complete sense why they drafted him. They needed to play make, another playmaker, and they wanted a, somebody who could be kind of lead their run game. So with them having Jamar Gibbs, and I think if. If Jared Goff is able to stay on schedule with his throws and not get too skittish in a in a in a pocket, they could win that division potentially, especially with Aaron Rodgers leaving leaving the Packers going to the Jets. Well, so, they lost they lost both their running backs from last year, didn't they? They did, yeah, they Swift did. Went to the Eagles. I can't think of where. Um, why am I blanking on uh, Jamal Williams? Yeah, yeah he, Jamal he left Williams, as well. He was Williams. Williams, I think he might have gone to the where Saints. He went. Okay. Yeah. Um, had, I'd have to yeah, look into four, that. Yeah, he had 14 touchdowns, but I think having Jamar Gibbs is definitely a definitely an upgrade. Yeah, he over was those a huge guys. pass catcher out of Alabama. So, yeah, and 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 I wonder if you know maybe Jameer Gibbs is what they kind of hoped Swift would mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it seemed like they did start to lean on Williams a little bit more in the run game, mm-hmm. just his physicality, but. Maybe someone not to someone not to overlook in terms of rookie running backs. They picked up Mo Ibrahim from uh, Minnesota, who is an absolute sledgehammer of a running back. And I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of takes that, you know, the thunder and lightning kind of running yeah. back situation over there. They want to be physical, obviously. I think, 
I think Ben Johnson, to your point, Rashad, does as good a job as anyone in the NFL of sequencing plays. And you can just see they start to get in a rhythm and it just starts to look good. And, you know, the gap schemes are really, really physical. The tight ends block really, really hard. Uh, All the offensive linemen are really physical at the point of attack. Do we see what happened? Do we see something that happened to the Lions? Something will we see something happen to the Lions similar to what we saw with Goff in LA with the Rams, where teams basically sell out and say, Jared Goff has to beat us. Hmm. And we're gonna we're gonna play, we're gonna load the box, we're gonna play man. And you know, that that'll be interesting. Can that receiver core and Jared Goff make the plays necessary. I know you were talking about them being an empty, and I thought they did a really good job. I think Amon Ross St. Brown is super underrated. Um, he's a playmaker. He's tough. He catches the ball in traffic. He operates well from the slot. I mean, he does a lot for them. <clears throat> but will they have enough playmaking ability from that receiver room and from uh, from Jared Goff to really like kind of take the next step? And like, who's the who's like the guy at tight end too? You know, obviously losing T.J. Hawkinson was kind of a that was the plan, I guess. Um, yeah, but he was a, a pretty. I mean, he's a pretty good NFL tight end. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see who steps up. Is it the kid from Iowa that they drafted, Sam Laporta? Um, but then again, you're you're banking on some rookies to really make plays for you. So, yeah. I love this offense. I love watching it. I think it was. I, it was like everything finally clicked for them. But again, we, we always talk about this in the NFL, like people figure things out. Sure do. And so what's your answer? You have to have an answer to the answer to the answer to the answer in the NFL. And that's why when we talk about Andy Reid, we're like, he's the goat because he has that. When we talk about Kyle Shanahan. He's a goat because he, he does that. So I think that's kind of the, the next step for Ben Johnson is, you know, what, what are the answers for when teams – try to take away what you want to want to get done. Yeah. It'll be an interesting one to watch. Like, like Rashad said, that division's wide open. So, I mean, you could see the bears potentially make a run for it this year and Vikings with Kirk cousins. Who knows? I mean, also with the lions offense, they're so scheduled. I, I know that they will, they will struggle when they're behind, but they're, if they're ahead, they can go. Yeah. (laughs) If they're ahead, they're fine. Right. But yeah, it seems like that, that last game against green Bay last year, they were just in control the entire Mm -hmm. game. Like they never never panicked. I mean, they, you, you thought going into that game, because I think the Seahawks won right before, which basically took the Lions out of the playoffs. You thought, okay, it's cold. It's at Lambeau. We're not playing for anything. And then they just came out and like hit those dudes in the mouth. It was unbelievable never lost control of that game i think like you said rashad i think when they do that it's i mean they're a hard team to beat and they're bringing jameson williams back at receiver Mm -hmm. so you're like man that adds another dimension of and he looks good from what i've seen from otas he looks good so Shoot. He's going to be he's going to be out for a little bit for uh, a little suspension. Yeah, he, he'll be he out for a few games. Yeah. <laughs> he'll be out yeah, for like six that. games, but week week seven he'll be back and he'll be, uh, he'll be nice and fresh, <laughs> right? <laughs> Very fresh. The home stretch. Very fresh. Amazing. Yeah, I, did, I forgot about the suspension, but yeah, they they're going to be fun to watch. You have to watch if you're an offensive line guy. Got to watch the Lions. Frank Ragnow is a phenomenal center. 
Penny Penny Sewell like just mauls people. Uh, they're a fun team to watch. That dude makes offensive line fun. He really does. He really does. He gets after it, yep. and they play. They play so hard. Like mm-hmm. you got to love Dan Campbell. They play super yeah. hard. And All it, right. Well, I want to go ahead, Rashad. I didn't want to well, cut yeah, you off. Well, okay. One well, last thing, and they go displace guys probably better than any team in the league. I mean, hundred percent. Like, <laughs> I mean, I know Trent Williams does a great job with the 49ers, but they have guys in their team that just displace the linemen. It's 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 mm-hmm. wild to see grown men get thrown around by other. Grown <laughs> yeah. Men. Right. <laughs> And, and they're just a physical team, and that's their identity. And they just, I think that goes to show you, even in the NFL, having an identity like that, mm-hmm. it vibes with the city of Detroit. It vibes with Dan Campbell. It is everything Dan Campbell is, is who they are on offense. And so I think something there's something to be said about that, and getting the getting the guys there to do it, uh, super impressive. So. All right, next up, Jake. We got the Broncos. Let it rip. Some Sean Payton right. back in the Denver league. Broncos. I don't know if there's a team with more wild headlines over the past two two years than the Denver Broncos. You <laughs> yeah, got, no doubt. You know, Nathaniel Hackett coming in from the Packers, you know, offensive guru. You bring in Russell Wilson that everybody thinks, you know, this team is a quarterback away from – potentially contending for a Super Bowl, you know, everyone's projecting the Broncos to, you know, overthrow the Chiefs and the AFC West last year. And then all of a sudden, I think five and 11, I think they finished last season, or I guess they played five and 12, maybe it's a 17 game season now. It's rough. So, I mean, I don't know if there's been a team in more recent memory with bigger expectations that has fallen so far so fast. I think, that first week you saw him come out against the Seahawks, you got kind of the, you know, revenge game on both sides with, you know, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks and everyone's walking away that is Geno Smith a better quarterback than Russell Wilson? Right. Like how, you know, where did that come from? And so all of a sudden Daniel Hackett gets fired, I think, after like like week fifteen something last year, which I think mm-hmm. I saw he was like the fifth coach since 1970 to not make it through his first season so i mean that just tells you that you know most time there's going to be some grace for a first year head coach but not with the type of expectations that there were in denver last year and i think you know everybody saw the talent their defense had i think they were i mean they were keeping guys in single digits you know low double digits every single week and they're still losing games or they're you know fighting for field goals and so crazy headline you know now all of a sudden you're bringing in a guy like sean payton who retires from the saints and i think everyone knew you know he was going to come back at some point but he was going to go to a place where he felt like he had full control he felt like he had the support of you know the front office and i think i'm pretty sure they have like one of the wealthiest owners if not the wealthiest owner walmart in the nfl yeah Mm -hmm. so i mean I think the possibilities there are unlimited. You see, you know, kind of what they did with Peyton Peyton Manning a couple years ago, you know, bringing a guy in. And I think he sees that, you know, the Russell Wilson experiment could kind of go the same way. I know kind of a year later, he's the one stepping in now, but I think he knows that, you know, I think he knows that Russell Wilson still has some in the tank. I think he knows what he's got to give. So, I mean, Sean Payton for what, 15 years was one of the most successful, not yep. just offensive coaches, but just head coaches <laughs> in the league. I mean, you're talking about, 
year in, year out, winning, I mean, completely controlling that division, um, you know, playoffs every year, winning a Super Bowl. And so I kind of went back and looked through some of his offenses with the Saints, and that's what was kind of weird about doing this whole thing is, you know, you're looking into the Broncos, but you're also looking at a guy that Correct. was out of coaching for a year and kind of looking through his, you know, most successful offenses. And you look back at that Super Bowl year and everybody always thinks, you know, you know, Drew Brees, all these passing yards, these 5,000 yard seasons he had. Well, their Super Bowl year, they passed for over 4,000 and they ran for over 2,000. Yeah. And so I think what you start to see is the the most successful Sean Payton offenses are the ones that are the most balanced. Mm-hmm. And so... I think you combine that with, okay, well, when, you know, when did Russell Wilson win a Super Bowl? Well, Russell Wilson won a Super Bowl when he had Marshawn Lynch in the backfield and they had an extremely talented defense on the other side. And you say, okay, so now you put all that together with this Denver roster and what they've got, you know, from a playmaker standpoint, what they've got from a defensive standpoint, now from a coaching standpoint, you're like, okay, this team might actually make some noise this year. And so I think some big additions they made in free agency, they brought in a new guard and a new tackle. Let me tell you, their offensive line had to have been the worst thing I've ever seen. I mean, they never had a chance last year. I watched yep. them play the Chiefs. Um, it was beginning of December, so I'm not sure what week it was. But, I mean, I know they kind of fought some injuries last year. But, I mean, you can't really – and I know I'm – going to be the first one to take blame off of a quarterback's shoulders but i am also when i'm watching a game i'm going to put the most blame on the quarterback but of course the dude never had a chance last year i mean it was like you snap of your fingers there's guys in the backfield it didn't matter what concept they were running it didn't matter if they were going play action quick game deep shots i mean he was there was a guy in his face every time and to russell's credit they were down 27-0 in that game against the chiefs and they came back and almost i think they lost 34 to 28 and he ends up getting a concussion late in the game. And so you're like, okay, you know, dude's getting paid tons of money. Season's over. Well, he comes back and plays the last couple games of the season. So I think that kind of tells you, like, Russell Wilson's, you know, that dude's a com- competitive guy. No doubt. And for what everybody has to say about him, all the weird stuff he does, <laughs> the dude wants to win. And no regardless doubt. of if it's the Super Bowl, if it's just week 17 meaningless game, the dude wants to win. And so I think you take what they brought in on the offensive line. Rashad, I'm sure you might have seen this or might touch on it later when you get to the Bengals, but they brought in Samaje P. Ryan from the Bengals. Yep. And so I think you add him with Javante Williams, who tore his ACL last year. I think you're going to kind of see a Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara kind of duo okay. with those two. And I think that's another thing that, you see that Sean Payton does really well is he uses the running backs in the pass game and the screen game. I mean, Alvin Kamara screen screen game is like second to none clinic tape clinic tape. So I think you're going to see a lot of that with Javante Williams. You're going to see a lot of that with Samaje P Ryan. I think Samaje P Ryan's a better pass catcher than Mark Ingram was not to say Mark Ingram wasn't a good pass catcher, but I think Samaje P Ryan's a very versatile back. Um, And then they've got this tight end, uh, Greg Dulcich, who they call the Sean Payton's always got what they call a joker in their offense, which was always kind of Alvin Kamara. It's kind of your not so traditional pass catcher. And so he's going to be kind of their matchups guy. Like how can we create mismatches? You know, we, if they're, you know, if they're in nickel, okay, I'm going to big body this guy. If they're, you know, just in base. Okay. Well, I'm going to outrun this tight end. You know, how many, 
guy, how many I kind of like we're talking about with Travis Kelsey kind of build around him because he's kind of got the same skill set as Travis Kelsey. He's not really the best blocker in the world, but he's a guy that, you know, if you get him open in the pass game, he's going to cause some problems for that you. Joker can run. He yeah. can run. So I think you combine all of those things. And then I think something that they really didn't utilize very well last year was Russell Wilson's legs. I think, you know, he had some scrambles where, which I will say his vision, as far as, you know, you just put the dude in empty and let him drop back his vision, as far as like seeing the pass rush and understanding when it's man coverage and just being able to take off and run is second to none. But I think, You'll start to see Sean Payton, especially, you know, he's not a Taysom Hill guy. You're not going to be calling quarterback power with him. But <laughs> some of that zone read that you saw, Sean, you know, because Drew Brees clearly wasn't, didn't have the running ability that Russell Wilson did. Um, but you kind of look at some of the the zone read concepts that they were doing with Taysom Hill. I think you're going to see a little bit more of that third down red zone with Russell Wilson. Um, Cause when they did play the chiefs last year, they finally did run his own read. And it was like the chiefs hadn't seen him run zone read on film all year because the entire defense was just taken off to the right. And Russell, and it's like, we all know the dude can run, but it's like, they haven't seen him call it all year. So, you know, why are we going to try to stop it? And so, and then I think when you look at the pass game, it's funny because there was like a big argument on the internet was, is, Sean Payton, a West Coast guy, or is he not? <laughs> I think a lot of the West Coast is, you know, we're getting the ball out quick. You know, we're getting easy completions. And so I think you see a little bit more of that in his passing game as opposed to the running game. Um, but I think when I looked, Russell Wilson had his lowest passing percentage of his career last year. He was almost dipped into the 50s, which is Oof. like, I mean, he's normally a 65 plus that's rough. Percent guy yeah, normally that's, that kind of hovering around 67, 68. And so I think he was at like 60.5 or something like that. And <laughs> then his touchdown interception ratio, you know, that was kind of the big joke last year was, you know, how many more of these things do I have than Russell Wilson has passing touchdowns this year? I think he only ended up with like 12, it was like 12 to nine touchdown interception ratio, which was, I mean, far and above his worst of his career. So I think you're going to see a lot more consistency in the passing game, just getting the ball out quick to those playmakers, a lot more, you know, screens. And then I think they're going to move the pocket a little bit better for him this year. You've got, I think that's going to start with the running game, being able to run the ball well, establish the run with Javante Williams and Samaj P. Ryan. And then I think you're going to be able to kind of set up those play action shots. And I think the biggest key of their offense this year is going to be Jerry Judy. And that's mm -hmm. a guy I think he's been in the league two or three years now came in, you know, from that Alabama core. It was like, who's going to kind of really be the guy. And a lot of, you know, people thought it could be him and dude's got all the talent in the world has flashed it at times. And I just don't think has really been in the right system. I think Sean Payton's going to unlock him. I think he's going to find ways to, you know, get him the ball quick in the screen game, but also at the same time, I mean, the dude can outrun anybody you're I, you, you saw whenever he got one-on-one -on -one opportunities against the Chiefs, I think he had three touchdowns. So I think if they can just consistently make him kind of that deep threat and then Cortland Sutton, he's kind of your X yep. type guy. Physical. He's kind of going to be that Michael Thomas type role. You know, he can run those short 
short slant run, routes, run some slants. Throw, yeah, throw him a fade ball on the outside. The dude, I mean, big body. That's, I mean, that's hard to stop when you talk about. And so you finally start to think about, okay, they do have the weapons in place. You know, they've got Sean Payton, great, great play caller. So my biggest question is, does Russell still have it? Like, did he, did he lose mm. his confidence from last year, or is he? And to me, I, I kind, I mean, I kind of mentioned it. I think the dude just wired differently. Like you, you. People can say whatever they want to about him in the media. I mean, I heard a bunch of guys on the team last year stand up for him, and I think he's got the respect of the guys in the locker room, and I think he knows that he's better than what they showed last year, and last year was the outlier of his career. So Jake's take of episode four. Let's go. Bring it. Bring the heat, <laughs> Jake. I'm really excited for when we get the production value of when I say Jake's take that like a little graphic. We need, we need, we need some graphics. We'll, we'll get on producer here, Ben on that. You know, like the spinning flames that say Jake's take on there or something. Um, <laughs> but I think the Broncos are going to make the playoffs this year. Ooh. I will not say they're going to win the division because they are in a division with – the Chiefs and the Chargers. So, so but are we going to have three AFC West teams in the playoffs? I think there's a good shot. I mean, oh, all right. There's all right. good shot, but I think they're going to make it to the playoffs and I will say they will win at least one playoff game. Wow. I will not go Jake's any tank. higher than one playoff game, but I will say, I mean, we got to make some bold takes here. You have wow. to think they'll win a playoff game this year. We got to, we got to talk about that. All right, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Are we writing these down? <laughs> Are we writing these down? I have. I'm, I'm keeping track of them. I think so, I mentioned this before. I am going to get a board the back here that has them all on there. That so, way the people can laugh at me throughout the season when I have to put like red X's on yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. So playoff teams we're going to have this year. We're going to have Chiefs. We're going to have Bills. Bengals. Those are three locks, right? So you can throw in the Browns as a wild card. Ooh. You can throw in Chargers as a wild card. You can throw in the D- Broncos as a wild card. I feel like Ravens. the Jets, Jets, the and Jets, Ravens. Ravens. Uh, I mean, shoot, yeah, all so pretty good, man. This is your hottest take, man, because you're pretty much saying that the the they're gonna get they're gonna get in they're gonna get in they're gonna get in over potentially the Jets, maybe potentially the Ravens, potentially over the Chargers. Ooh, can't wait to see can't wait to it's see how big. it shakes out. That's big, hot. man. Everybody wants to bury Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. and and we, we've we've everybody in the media has already given the eulogy. Right? Here's the thing: Sean Payton, he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's doing. And here's the thing: I, I just want to take a second on this because this actually really bothered me when it came out, and everybody was just like taking a dump on Russell Wilson, and he's easy to mock, right? Easy to ridicule because he's. Yep. He's a little off and like he does things where you're just like, they're just a little cringy, right? Yeah. But the one criticism that was levied against him was that he had an office in the Broncos facility. And here's, here's my thing. If I'm an offensive coordinator and my quarterback is willing to set up shop in an office and be that committed to his craft, I think that's a good thing. Now, I think people kind of misconstrued it as like a closed door policy. Yeah. You know, he he just wanted he, like he didn't want to be around anybody. But the reality is, if you're a quarterback in the NFL, that is the most mentally taxing job in all of sports. 
like, yes, you need to be a good leader. Yes, you need to have camaraderie with your teammates, but you have a you have so much information you need to process every single week. The fact that somebody in that position wants a little bit of space and peace and quiet so they can study, I think makes a ton of sense. And I think mm -hmm. it's absolutely ridiculous that that was one of the reasons people criticized him. There's other things you could criticize Russell Wilson for. Having an office in the facility, I don't think is one of them. Now, there was some talk, I think maybe Sean Payton's going to get rid of that, but like whatever. I, I think I'm really excited to see this relationship work because I think to a degree, elite quarterbacks can be intimidating to certain coaches. We're like, they're not going to be willing to push them into certain things. Sean Payton, I think, is such a mainstay. And so, I mean, he's an iconic head coach that I think if he tells Russell Wilson to do something, there's that trust that Russell Wilson's going to do it. It's like when Phil Jackson works with Shaq and Kobe, like, hey, I've done this six times with Michael Jordan. Like, mm -hmm. you, you got to listen to me, right? And And Kobe is so elite and Shaq is so elite. But when you're working with Phil Jackson, like it's like maybe the one person on the planet that can make that work. And I think Sean Payton's going to be able to say, Russell, this is what we need done and it, it get done. Drew Brees, when that, when that Saints offense was humming, was a master of the seam. Like he would pipe the seam. I mean, he would just pick apart coverage. He would use the middle of the field. I think Russell Wilson, we, we, when we think of him, we think of that beautiful arcing deep ball that turns mm -hmm. over and it's just, it's just majestic. I think Sean Payton's really going to push him to rip seam balls. And I don't think that's something he has maybe wanted to do in some of his other yeah. stops, whether it's with the Seahawks or last year with Nathaniel Hackett. But I think a lot of that offense does depend on working the seams, working yeah. that intermediate passing. Right. And I think Sean Payton's going to, going to squeeze that out of him and i think that's going to make their offense a lot more effective and well i think got the guy, I, they've got the guys to they've do got the guys too. to do it yeah. they've got the guys to do it so anyway that was a long-winded take but i i think i don't know about playoffs jake but i think <laughs> they're certainly not going to be the laughing stock of the league certainly not rashad do you right. have any you have any russell wilson takes you got to have something right <laughs> Man, he's he's a cornball, but he's a, <laughs> he is. I mean, there's no, there's absolutely no doubt about but, it. I mean, he's a he's a good player. I think people. I mean, he's easy target, like we we're saying earlier, right? Yeah. And Twitter just yeah. destroys him anytime he does something. But he's he's good, and he does a great job when he was in Seattle, like you said before, throwing that beautiful pass on those post corners to uh, Tyler Lockett. No doubt. So. I'm excited to see what he does in his offense with Sean Payton. I wonder to see if Sean Payton kind of puts an imprint on him that makes him kind of like <laughs> transitions him into like a Drew Brees light, you know? Yeah. So really intrigued to see what happens during training camp, how that gets along, because if, if they have a good training camp, they'll probably have a good season. And um, it'll definitely have to be uh, some humbling, maybe on, on humbling, humbling and some trust being built on, yes. on uh, yeah. Russell's part. Yeah. But uh, Sean's been Sean's been Sean's been uh, you know he's been doing broadcasts for the past year, so he might be feel he's gonna feel refreshed and renewed, not having yes. that typical NFL coaches schedule. So, I guess, yeah, Jake, I don't know, man. We'll we'll see. We'll we'll circle back yeah. uh, in I January. Think, I think see, my see thoughts what, on, the, what the playoffs. on the Russell Wilson cornball thing. First <laughs> of all, I completely agree. <laughs> Second of all, I think, and I, I would love to hear 
or see people's thoughts on this, but I think any, like if you talk about any greatest of all time and any, or, you know, top five, whatever, when you're making those lists, there's always something a little bit weird or off about those people. I mean, you've got to be a little bit crazy to be able to take it to that level. Like, I mean, you saw like, you know, the last dance with Michael Jordan. I mean, that dude took everything personally. Like he, he's just different mentally than, you know, it was something that like wouldn't even affect most people, but he, you know, he took it that way. And I just think, I don't know. I just think Russell Wilson's wired a little bit differently. And if you were to ask me who's the biggest cornball in NFL history, I'd say it's Tom Brady. And dude's my favorite quarterback of all time, but he's a huge cornball and a huge dad nerd. But somehow he was able to flip that switch into like psycho Tom. I will destroy you. Rip your heart out. And yeah, I mean, it worked. So I think, I don't know. I'm hoping to see a little bit of old Russ this year. Yeah, we'll, you know, kind of back to those, yeah, we'll, those we'll successful def- Seahawks teams. Yeah, we'll see that. And hey, also, there's nothing wrong with being a cornball. I know I'm a cornball at times. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right to be weird. It's okay. Gotta like, embrace, embrace it. it. It's you okay. Embrace it. You know. And also, one thing too about Russell, we're only seeing parts of him, right? We're not. We're not at his house, right? We're not having cookouts with him, right? All we see is. Broncos, let's ride, you know? So so I think <laughs> maybe he needs a better PR campaign to help him out a little bit. But yeah. I think one way to solve – Maybe no PR campaign this year. <laughs> one way to solve it, they win games, right? Win. They win games win, because baby. they have Mr. Walmart running the team and they have a lot of money in Walmart. So uh, they, they have high expectations and they want to do they want to win fast. So maybe to make the playoffs. I don't know, Jake. We'll, we'll see, man. <laughs> This is the most down y'all have been on any of my takes. <laughs> Listen, I, I I love I love where your heart's at, but we'll it's see. Just, I think that's AF- pretty good. It's it's AFC, man. If it was NFC, I'd be like, oh, of course. But it's like so many teams in AFC. It's it's, it's AFC. Hard. I'm like, are they playing for a Super Bowl? Or if it was NFC, <laughs> they might be playing for a Super Bowl. But yeah, cool. Well, this wraps up the end of part one of our NFL offenses to follow this season, and uh, we'll head into part two very soon. Victory. It's a great play call.